Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Content and Cafecito. This is your host, Kathy Keaton, and today we have another powerful woman on the podcast for you guys. I know I've been giving you guys some fire guests, so you're welcome. <laughs> but today we have an incredible woman. Her name is Audrey Geyer. She is a high-performance women's health coach and fertility awareness educator. And as women, um, I know that we can use all the information that we can use about this, so I cannot wait for her to get into all the things regarding our health, regarding our bodies, being aware of everything, regarding fertility, hormones, all of that stuff. So Audrey, welcome to the podcast. Please introduce yourself. Let everyone know who you are, where you're from, and how you got to the place that you are in today. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. I am so excited to be talking to you today. Um, As Kathy said, my name is Audrey Geyer. I am a women's health coach and fertility awareness educator, and I support high achieving women in learning how to really understand and befriend our health and our bodies so that you can achieve the goals that are ahead of you without putting yourself and your health on the back burner. As I know so many of us have, including myself, my area of expertise is with the menstrual Mm. cycle. Um, So I'm awareness educator, which means that I teach women how to intimately understand and collect standardized evidence-based data on their own menstrual Mm. cycles, both in instances of fertility, such as if a woman wants to take an effective and natural alternative to Mm. birth control, as well as if somebody is family planning and looking to grow their family. My real passion is in how the sex hormones that are involved in our menstrual cycle also impact our brain. And so the majority of my clients, like yourself and like your audience, are entrepreneurs or business owners or, you know, some work in corporate or healthcare and, you know, do lots of important things. And they just want to be able to do that in a way that works Mm -hmm. with their body instead of. Oh my God, that is so important because I feel like this conversation does not get talked about enough. I know that um, as a millennial, you know, when I was a teenager and also in like my young 20s, the first thing that a doctor wants to prescribe to you is medication and birth control whenever Mm -hmm. like you are either Mm -hmm. like having irregular periods, even if it's from stress. So how did you even like get into this? Like, how did you even, I I mean, obviously as a female, like you're in touch with your body because we all have periods, but how did you even like want to be an expert in this? So for me, it happened out of pure personal necessity at first. So my, my father was an endocrinologist. He's, he's since retired, but my dad was an endocrinologist, which is a hormone specialist. He Mm -hmm. was really, really passionate about his career. Um, I think that my family would have loved for me to go into medicine. (laughs) My dad's a refugee and I think, you know, he really afforded me the opportunity to be able to make my own path. And when I was growing up, I didn't know that my job existed. I was far more interested in arts and humanities. And I actually had a career in the nonprofit sector before I became a fertility awareness educator. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, I, I loved my dad and I really looked up to him, but I To be honest, I thought his job was boring, and I also saw him work 80-plus hours a week. Oh, no. Mm -mm. And so I knew that was not for me. 
But in my early 20s, I really started struggling with my own hormonal and menstrual health issues. Mm-hmm. I thought that I had bipolar disorder. Okay. I was going to a therapist and she eventually said to me, Audrey, do you realize that this continues to happen around the same time every month? And then when you get your period, it feels better. And what I learned is that I have a disorder called premenstrual dysphoric disorder. I was also struggling with some other symptoms and was eventually diagnosed with Hashimoto's hypothyroid, Mm -hmm. which is low thyroid. Um, So hypothyroid is low thyroid disease, but Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease with the thyroid. So Mm -hmm. it occurs from the thyroid attacking itself, and it's actually pretty common for women to develop that. But at the time I was diagnosed with these, I was working out six days a week. I was eating clean, counting my macros, doing all of these things that I was told were healthy. And I was really putting a huge amount of effort into my health. Mm -hmm. So I came to the point where I said, if women are the number one consumers of the wellness industry and we're doing all of these things to take care of ourselves – why are we also basically being told that we have the biological short end of the stick? Right. Something's not adding up here. Right. And I, at that point, decided that it was it was necessary for me, for my own well-being, to start understanding my body better. Right. And with other, until then, no big interest in science, I just started diving in. I would ask my dad questions. I would talk to my doctor. I kind of learned how to advocate for myself and challenge my doctor in the appropriate ways. Mm -hmm. I had also had really horrific experiences with hormonal birth control. Mm -hmm. And I realized that not everyone does, but for me, hormonal birth control stopped being an option because of what I experienced with my, with my health. And so I needed to learn other ways to manage my cycle. Mm -hmm. I started teaching myself how to read scientific studies and understand the research. And Over the next six years, it just became my personal mission to take better care of myself. And I realized that a lot of the diet advice, fitness advice, a lot of the health trends that were out there were actually never studied on women. Mm. And so women were spending a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy towards wellness models that were actually never designed for us. Yep. And so when I figured that out, it it became a passion of mine to find a better way. And then, you know, eventually I just, I decided to make it a career. That is amazing. And I really want to just point out, like, there was so much, like, juice that you just literally, like, sh- um, shared with us. But I really just want to point out the importance of advocating your- for yourself because there are... Obviously, as women, sometimes we do have the biological, like you said, short end of the stick when it comes to our health, especially because a lot of things like medicines and preventative measures and all of that that was developed was developed by men. So they really don't have like the firsthand experience 
of knowing what the side effects are, of knowing how to handle certain things. And a lot of the times people think that women um, are either weaker or that they can't speak up for something that they are experiencing. So I'm really like glad that you were able to advocate for yourself, especially given that your dad has a medical background. Um, and I know that for sure going through all of this must have been super stressful. So if in terms of stress, like especially like in terms of stress, like as a business, how did that like, how was stress a factor in how our, like our menstrual cycle and how we, um, how we can navigate that? It is huge. It is a huge factor. And that's because both the menstrual cycle and our stress response begin in the same place, which is in our So the menstrual cycle starts in your brain and starts with the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland beginning a conversation with your ovaries, whereas with stress, that same part of your brain, the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland, sends a signal to your adrenals and begins your stress response. Mm. And so for women, stress can affect our health and our cycle in a number of ways um, with either chronic or very severe acute stress, we can sometimes lose our period or there can be a change. So some- Oh yeah, that's definitely happened to me. Yes, you might notice um, maybe more severe PMS. Uh You may notice a change in your cycle length, which is Uh usually due to ovulation either being postponed or the luteal phase, which is the part of your cycle where you experience PMS, that Uh the hormone that controls that part of your cycle, which is called progesterone, is actually supposed to be a very calming and a very helpful hormone. But the more Uh stress is in your body, the more progesterone receptors are blocked. And so a lot of women experience PMS simply because of the amount of stress that they're under. And so Stress impacts our health in so many ways. It spikes our blood sugar. It taxes our thyroid. It can cause slow digestion. So a lot of women might experience more digestive issues and even more bloating symptoms of stress. Wow. I didn't know that um, that bloating was a direct result of stress. Yes, because when we are in fight, flight, or freeze mode, Our body, our blood is being rushed to our limbs so that either you can run away from a threat or you can fight it. And your digestive system actually slows down. And so you're not able to regulate that digestion and, you know, even your appetite to the same degree that you're able to when you get back into rest and digest mode. And then that can in turn make you gain weight. Absolutely. Wow. So, I mean, the, I guess the simple way to say it is like, you have to like, you have to like, um, a lessen your stress in order for you to properly like lose weight. Absolutely. Insulin resistance is a very common problem among women, especially women, women with PCOS or women that do struggle with metabolism and weight. But actually one of the leading causes of insulin resistance isn't that women don't care about their health or are lacking self-control. It's actually hypercortisolism. Cortisol is a stress hormone. Hyper means high. So high chronic stress affects your metabolism and can lead to insulin resistance. 
That is crazy. And I think I'm so glad that you're speaking about this because a lot of us don't know that. A lot of of us just think like very simply like, okay, I'm going to stress, so I'm going to emotionally eat. And then that's going to lead to me, you know, um, my period changing. And then because I know that, especially as somebody that is, um, is married or somebody that could be in a relationship, whenever you don't get your period, like there's this little scare, like, uh, hello, like why am I getting my period? But then realizing that stress is a main factor in that, that's intense. So I know that telling a woman, especially a woman who's a business owner, to just lessen their stress is easier said than done. So what do you recommend for like practical steps that women can take to, I guess, lessen their stress day by day? Yes. So one thing that especially for those of you who are listening who do have a menstrual cycle, I would recommend working with a fertility awareness educator and learning how to chart your cycle in an evidence-based way in real time. If you are using something like a period tracking app like Flow or Clue, then what's that what that is doing is taking averages of past cycles in order to make predictions about the length. But unfortunately, that app doesn't know what's happening in your body. And so if you can learn how to understand the changes that are happening in your body in real time, then you never have to go through a or a scare. And this is true both for women with regular cycles, because even if you have a regular cycle, the reality is it will change. Stress can change it. Sickness can change it. And all of us that live long enough to go through perimenopause and then menopause, our cycles will change. And that is natural, but we don't want it to come as a surprise. That's awesome. And for women with irregular cycles who maybe feel like, I can't even use one of those apps because my cycle is so long and so unpredictable. While charting your cycle and learning how to work with someone like myself puts the power back into your hands so even irregular cycles aren't entirely unpredictable. You can learn how to read different biomarkers or signs that your body gives you like cervical fluid, basal body temperature, urine hormone testing, and you can learn how to interpret that so that you can better prepare for things like, especially if, you know, if when you do have your period, if you're experiencing symptoms, if that affects your energy, if you get fatigued, if you get cramps, you are then able to proactively prepare for that and deal with that better. So I would say, you know, that is really foundational. And another thing, you know, especially knowing that you have an audience of entrepreneurs One important thing to remember is that no matter how good you are at giving back (laughs) massages, you're not good at giving back massage to yourself. And by that, I mean, we all need support. We all need support systems. Doctors are not their own doctors. Therapists are their own therapists. You can't massage your own back no matter how good you are doing that to your partner. And so whether it's working with a therapist, working with a coach, working with, um, you know, a healthcare provider, a fertility awareness educator, a mentor, you need those people. So what I would like you to think about is what's your source of stress? When you find yourself getting irritable or experiencing mood swings with PMS, or when you find yourself experiencing burnout, I want you to start journaling and to start 
listening to what is coming up for you and what those triggers are. That way you can identify the right people to have in your corner to support you with that. I love that. And I think that that's like journaling is something that I am actively trying to work on because it's something that I have to like make a habit, but especially if it's going to benefit me, not only mentally, but also physically as well, because I mean, whenever you have your period, like you don't, I don't feel like doing anything. And I know that I, that there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way that they feel like really lazy. They don't feel like doing anything, of course, because they're feeling heavier. They're, they're like mentally stressed. They're super emotional. So I know that obviously whenever you're not having your period would be a great time to, a great time to start. Right. Honestly, I think during your period would be an amazing time to journal because Hmm. activity between our right and left hemispheres of our brain increases. So a lot of times I'm wondering, Kathy, is it that you don't feel like doing anything or do you just not feel like doing it with anyone else? Both. (laughs) It's a really introverted time. And so your energy would be lower and you need to do less. Mm-hmm. But you also might find yourself feeling more reflective and more introspective. So it might be the perfect time to start that self-inquiry. That's true. You know what? That actually actually is true. So you just um, encouraged me not to wait until I have, um, until I like I'm off my period. So I can do it at the most stressful time, just journal it all out and just get it all out there. Um, so I know that on your Instagram, just to... Um, switch topics really quick. I know that your Instagram, you mentioned positive stress. So how would you define that? Positive stress. So I would, there is something called the Yerkes-Dodson law and it is this idea. It looks like a bell curve. And on one of my posts, I'll, I'll send it to you after we finish our conversation. That way you can see it, but it looks like a bell curve. And On the first part of the bell curve, it is describing low stress or low strain, which equals low arousal. Mm -hmm. When we have a certain amount of stress, that begins to motivate us and it actually increases our performance. So Mm. for example, do you ever find yourself procrastinating? All the time. Yes. Yes. So people tell themselves that they procrastinate because they're lazy or because, you know, they just can't get it together. A lot of we start beating ourselves up. We start developing imposter syndrome over procrastination. But I'm wondering, do you procrastinate on things that you have done a million times and that aren't that difficult? Or do you procrastinate on the challenges? On the challenges, of course. Really? I mean, sometimes whenever it's like, whenever it's like, um, I guess it will depend because sometimes when it's things that are routine, I just get it out the way. And okay. then when it's like a challenge, um, it depends on what it is because sometimes the adrenaline from the challenge will make me want to do it. But then sometimes I'll feel like it's so challenging that I'm just like, I don't know if I should start it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And in that case, how I would look at this is if something is so challenging that you're putting it off, then you ask yourself, what do I need in order to support me doing this? Because if there's too much stress, then that decreases performance. So when we go into strain, Mm. our performance decreases. So in that case, you might need to figure out what kind of support you need in order to help you through that, whether it's a mentor or an accountability partner 
or a change in environment that feels really supportive to you. Whereas a lot of women I talk to tell me that they procrastinate on things that would actually not take them that long. <laughs> that they know how to do, but they wait until the deadline. And for them, what I like to tell them, and for those of you that are listening that maybe find yourselves in these in this position where procrastinating until the deadline and you're doing your work in the 11th hour, that's because the deadline is the good stress for you. Mm. And that created enough arousal to push you into that. And so what I find is really helpful for entrepreneurs is, you know, I think that yes, stress can have negative impacts on our health. And at the same time, without enough stress that decreases our motivation, it lowers our self-esteem, lowers our productivity. It would also be terrible if our body couldn't go into fight or flight mode. You know, our body has that so that it can save our lives if we need it. So the problem is not that stress exists. The key is we need to be able to recover from it. And we also need to be able to leverage stress to help us grow as individuals. So in, in your case, Kathy, when you're talking about you know, getting that courage to step up to the plate and try that new challenge that has felt maybe daunting or intimidating to you. That is going to be amazing for you as long as you have the support and recovery, because that is what's going to increase your resilience and increase your capacity. And it's going to mean that the next time you face that level of stress, it's not going to be as scary. Oh, that's true. So it was like strengthening a muscle. Exactly. I yeah. love that. So a little bit of stress, a little bit of good stress followed by recovery is good. For I like you. that. And that can be, that can be a workout. That can be a difficult conversation. That can be, you know, doing something that takes your business to the next level. Those things in, in the short term are stressful and in the long term, they're beautiful. So what is the what is the relationship between um, stress and rest? Because I know that, um, especially as being a female entrepreneur, whether you are a full time entrepreneur or whether you do it around another job as a side gig, there comes a balance of time that you have to have. You have to have some type of time management. There's a lot of things on your plate, and especially as women, we're always taking care of other people. We're always balancing more than one thing on our plate, and rest sometimes is on the back burner. So not only by putting rest at the forefront, but how would you like, what practical tips can you give for whoever's listening for how to incorporate more rest in your routine um, so that you can balance stress and like include more of that positive stress? Yeah, I think we have to break the idea that rest means doing nothing. Rest Mm -hmm. is an activity. And especially for women, a lot of times we carry a lot of guilt We tell ourselves that we could be doing something else, that we could have been doing something else. We should have done something differently. But it would benefit you and everyone around you for you to not feel guilty about that. If you are feeling guilty, you are then distracted by your guilt. That is draining your energy. That is taking away from what you're trying to do. So you are not serving yourself, nor are you serving anyone around you to quite the same degree that you could be. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I would like to see is for women to work, change their mindset around what rest is. And I would love for them to start seeing rest as beneficial for everyone around them. 
I love that because you're absolutely right. Um, as women, we are always guilty because we're always thinking that we're either not doing enough or that we have to do everything and have to take care of everything. And that when we're finally resting, that we should be doing something like we should be moving and, and doing some type of activity and doing some type of task. But like um, Audrey said, rest is a task. Like rest is, doesn't mean that you're not doing absolutely nothing. It's an activity and active rest is, is just as important. So if you got anything from this episode, you need to uh, remember that you need to rest. Like rest yeah. is going to help you. You know, rest, rest includes sleep for sure, but rest also includes exercise. Yep. It includes creative rest. So doing something just for fun. I talked mm-hmm. to so many women who tell me, oh, I just realized I I really like to read fiction books, but for the last three years, all I've read is personal and professional development. And I'm going to go read a book just for fun. Or I used to love to paint. I used to love to go to museums or to do yoga. And I haven't done that in so long. There are so many different types of rest. Another one that I really love that I would love to love to share with you is, you know, people talk about meditation and I know medita- meditation is amazing, but it can feel really daunting to some people. They feel like they don't know how to meditate. They don't have time for meditation. So I was wondering if you would want to do like a 30 second meditation with me that will switch your body into rest and digest mode right now. Ooh, let's do it. I'm down. Okay. So Kathy, I want you to close your eyes and If you're listening to this, if you are in a position where you're not driving and you can close your eyes, try to do that for me. So close your eyes and I want you to imagine the experience of eating your favorite meal, the best one you've ever had. I want you to think about where you are right now. Who are you with? What does the setting look like? Don't you imagine that you're sitting at the table? You can smell the aroma of the food that you're going to enjoy. Someone is bringing it over to you. They're setting it down right in front of you. You are picking up your utensils or if you're eating it with your hands, if you're eating it with whatever, you are ready to pick up that food and you're smelling it and you notice the texture and you take that first bite. And I want you to imagine this experience until you feel your mouth water. It's literally watering right now. In order for your mouth to water, you have to be in rest and digest mode. That is not something that your body has the ability to do when on fight or Wow. Fight. You can switch your body into a rest and digest state by imagining your favorite food anytime. Oh my God. That was, okay. That was amazing. That was literally, I've never done that before. And that was literally so amazing. And now I want it's that, so- now I want that meal. <laughs> Yes, it will. It will make yes. you hungry. Um, 
hey, then you can eat after that. There's nothing wrong with that. You'll have better digestion. So I have some clients, for example, who work in very stressful positions and they have found themselves, you know, sometimes having less of an appetite because of the amount of stress. And, you know, they would use that before having dinner at night so that they could close out their day feeling actually relaxed and able to enjoy their food and digest it properly. And, you know, even if you're doing that in the middle of the day, you can now spend the next few hours in a more relaxed state than you otherwise would. That's incredible. That was incredible. And anybody who just did that, like, you're welcome. That was incredible. <laughs> and yeah, I think you enjoy it. I that was um that was amazing and I'm so glad that you did that on the podcast so that somebody can like play it back and and do that whenever they need to be in like some type of rest whenever they need to like just shut everything down for 30 seconds and just recenter. I love that. Um speaking of something fun, I do have an end segment that I do on all of my interviews and these are kind of fun questions that we can end off with because you have been so amazing and have been, been given so much information that a lot of women especially need to hear. So speaking of being a woman, what do you think is the toughest parts of being a woman in business and how do you overcome it? The toughest part of being a woman in business is that we grew up in a generation where we talked about women shattering glass ceilings and we saw women on the red carpet being asked, you know, can women really have it all? And women made sacrifices and contributions and did shatter those glass ceilings, but they did it at the expense of themselves and of their health. And so we are the generation that is for the very first time saying that we are not only going to become successful, but we are not going to pay the price of our health and our souls in order to do it, which no disrespect to those women who came before us. Thank God for them. I think that they are incredible. And I think that they would agree that they also want us to take better care of ourselves. Absolutely. Moving forward. Of course. So is there a, a hiccup that maybe you had when you were first starting out in your business that you regretted and how did you get over it? Hmm, That's a good question. You know, I can't, I cannot think of anything that I regret, but I will say, you know, I, I didn't have a paying client in my business for six months. And so for anyone starting out, I think that, you know, my advice would be don't get caught up in the people who seem like overnight successes or who mm -hmm. focus only on the financial success of their business. For the first two years of my business, I had times where I wanted to delete my entire Instagram and throw up and I felt mortified to share what I was sharing. And all I would think about is if there is one woman who feels seen by what I'm sharing if it benefits her life, then that one woman is, is enough. Because That's amazing. That is, I needed yeah. someone to tell me, hey, I'm going to take the time for you because you are enough. And I grew the for, for, you know, for the first two years just like that before really focusing a whole lot on, you know, 
growing more visibility and, and other things. And so I will say, you know, there there's time, but especially if you're just starting out, give yourself grace and all, but also understand you have to have the tenacity. <laughs> we have to have resilience as business owners. And so use that good stress that we talked about and commit to your rest and recovery. Don't run yourself into the ground. Focus on that one woman who you know you can change her life. Let her be enough and know that it it will in fact be lots more than one woman, but let her be enough. I love and that. Then, I love yeah. that. Um, That was amazing. And so another question is, how would you spend an extra hour every day? Ooh, if I had one extra hour every day, I would spend that reading. I would just sit mm-hmm. here in my little home office that I love. <laughs> I love to read and I do read, but sometimes I do wish I had more time to do it. And so okay. I would love to just like sink into my chair and turn my phone on airplane mode and not talk to anyone and just learn <laughs> from people that have just whether it's a fictional story or something in business or, you know, a mental health related book. I really been into some of those lately. Um, I would just spend an hour reading. I love that. And the funny thing is that that's a common answer among everyone I've asked. It's either sleeping or reading or doing something for self-care. It's, it's crazy how as, as women, we all have similar interests when it comes to that. It's, it's never something that it requires a lot of energy. It's always something that's um, a lot of downtime and just, I guess, pouring into yourself, which is so common. I mean, I would sleep, so. Yeah. (laughs) And if salary and experience didn't matter, what job would you most want to have? Or would you want to keep the one that you have now? I would absolutely keep the one I have now. I am obsessed with it. I feel so privilege and it brings me so much joy to be able to destigmatize such an important part of our health as women. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What is what is next for you? Like where do you want to go from here? Let's see. So one thing I am working on getting more visibility this year. Uh, you know, I I have a big mission. I want I really want to see women being successful and breaking that cycle of burnout. And in order to see as many women as possible achieve that, I I want my community to grow. And so that's one thing that I'm working on right now. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to being able to do more events, both, both virtually and in person and connecting with women like us. Yes. So speaking of connecting, Audrey, you have been so incredible. There's so much information just in this episode alone. And I know that you have so many resources of information um, on your Instagram and also in other places. So please let everyone know where they can find you, where they can connect with you so that so many more women, especially that are listening to this, can become part of your community and spread the awareness that you are spreading as well. You can find me on Instagram at Audrey Esquire, that's spelled A-U-D-R-E-Y-S-G-E-Y-E-R. And I have tons of information and education on there. I do have a website with a blog that I don't update too often, but there are some great blogs on there, and that's www.audreyesquire.com. 
awesome. All of Audrey's information is going to be in the show notes for those of you who want to connect with her. I definitely recommend that you connect with her because she's taught me just so much in just this half an hour of us speaking. So I can only imagine the like the the un, limitless resources that she has on both her website and her Instagram. Her Instagram is amazing and definitely connect with her. Audrey, thank you so much for coming on the on the podcast today. And for those of you who are listening, I will catch you next week on the next episode. So remember to stay safe. I love you and enjoy your cup of tea.